This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Interesting show tonight. We, we started off talking about the Mets and Yankees and how fans always blame the manager and coaches of their favorite teams in sports. And while they should get blamed for a lot of things, they don't. They should not take the blame for everything. Because most of the things end up being because of the way the talent is on the teams. Perfect example, Mets and Yankees. They're not good. Yankee lineup's not good. Mets lineup is not good. Mets scored eight runs tonight. They should save them because normally they don't score a lot of runs. I get that it's the Chicago White Sox, but I'm not holding my breath that this is going to be a sudden turn and now we're going to start rolling because the Mets are just going to put runs on the board over and over and over again. And once again, I am not saying that when Buck Showalter didn't go to David Robertson in a big moment last week, he was right. I'm not saying that Aaron Boone should not have walked Shohei Otani last night. What I am saying is they have no margin of error because their teams aren't that good. So we had that for a conversation. Talk a little bit about the Knicks. Talk a little bit about the Mets. And that went back to Saquon Barkley's situation. Adam Schefter had an interesting comment about what's going on with uh, Saquon Barkley on NFL Live and well, not just Saquon, but a lot of the running backs in the National Football League. And in this soft running back market, we continue to see running backs struggle to get the types of deals that they want. The last deal for a running back that was over $10 million a year was Nick Chubb 716 days ago. And so running backs tried but failed to get the money they wanted today. The Raiders made an attempt to sign Jacobs. The Giants made an attempt to sign Barkley. No deals before the deadline. These running back dramas are a long way from being over. Absolutely. Because it's not changing. Why would it? (laughs) Why would it change? It's working. When things work, they don't change. Back to the phones. Justin's in Long Island. Justin, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how are you? I'm good, Justin. What's happening? So, uh, quick, I guess, question on the Giants, mm-hmm. uh, Jet fan, and then uh, I got a, got a point on the Knicks quick. All right. So, all the Saquon stuff, I lived through Le'Veon Bell, it was a nightmare. Mm. You know, do you think – you saw Palantonio's point. He's a tremendous talent. No one's doubting that. But do you think it gets to the point where the Giants test that trade market and try to recoup some, some something back for that asset that they have? Maybe get some talent to help out their investment in Daniel Jones. If they feel that it's going – if he holds out, uh, they, might, they might try to consider to do something. They might be able to do something. But – I have to remember, I'm not sure. I got to double check, and I double checked during the break. I don't know that until he signs, they really can't. I don't know if they can move him because he's not signed. So, you know. I'd be interested to see what that trade market's like. And and, and you know what? But here's the thing Justin, you've got running backs that are looking for work right now. I don't know how big the trade market's going to be for him. I mean, you got Ezekiel Elliott looking for Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook can't find a job. Jacobs. Yep. I mean, yep. you know, led the yep. league in rushing. 
looking for work. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that he's tradable at this point. Crazy times. It crazy, is crazy times. Um, to my next point, uh, look, yeah. I, I 100% agree with you on the on the Joel Embiid stuff. First of all, by the time he wants out of there, he's going to be what, 29, 30 years old. He's super injury prone. Yep. Later on in his career, that's it's the kind of guy the Knicks don't want. I think to the, to their credit, I think they got a lot of flack in the off season for not trading for Donovan Mitchell, but I think. They've done a great job of not making the wrong moves, if that makes sense. I think trading for Paul George uh, and signing him to the long-term deal, wrong move. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell in the backcourt with Jalen Brunson, I think would have been the wrong move. So I, I think, and I got a, I got a take here. I haven't heard too much about it. Maybe this is me just being a crazy Knicks fan, but I think the name to watch for the Knicks in the next couple of years is Luka Doncic. Mm. I mean. He, he's hinted at it over the last, what, two, three seasons in a row now. They're not, they're not getting much better. I think the Kyrie Irving stuff is, is a nightmare waiting to happen. He's got, he's got the history with Jalen Brunson, and the Knicks have a boatload of assets they can offer and a heck of a package they, they could put together. I just want to get your take on that. Uh, I think it's, it's – and thanks for the phone call, Justin. It's a possibility. I agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, Luca is uh, a player there's no question about his talent he's young uh my concern with him is trying to keep him in shape but for the most listen he's a talented guy and you're right he does have history with Brunson and I think that a for that move you're gonna have to move Julius Randle for that I think you're gonna have to move Randle and some draft choices and some other things to get that deal done but yeah that's 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 doable uh I believe in the future because he the the best part about it is he's still young. If you're a Knicks fan, you want them to get a player, if possible, okay? This is your wish list. So you're a Knicks fan. You can be delusional. It's okay. You want a player that's going into his prime, right? You want 23, 24, 25 going into the prime, not 30, 31, 32, heading down the back nine of your career. Because everybody's not LeBron James. Everybody's not going to going to maintain uh, a great average, not going to maintain uh, playing a lot of minutes as they get older. Everybody's not LeBron. Okay? So age matters. <laughs> it does. It does. And that's what you want if you're a Nick fan. Tom's in Lindenhurst. What's up, Tom? Hi. Hi. Real quick on the next word, your comment just there. In other words, not Stevie Francis or Penny Hardaway. Past their prime, right? <laughs> exactly. But, but I, Thank I, you. I do go back to that. Uh, <laughs> I do go back to those ridiculous times. So I just, oh, I just God. want to forget. I try to forget about their memories, you know. So I hear you, Tom. I know. But I know what you're saying. I was going to comment on the Yaks, but the Archer, you know, why, you know, you walk them once, why don't walk them twice? I, I don't want to get into that now. I suffered the Archer already. I don't want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Now, as far it, let me just get into the Barkley, please. Let me just sure. get this straight, what the situation is, because it seems like it's a, a contradiction on both sides. What I mean by that is that Barkley was looking, coming out of an injury, which he recovered very quickly, very nicely from, and had a phenomenal year. So he wants a long-term contract, evidently, for security, just in case he gets injured again. He wants mm-hmm. security. Okay. He wants guaranteed now, money. For the same, 
Now, for the same reason, management does not want to give him a long-term contract because if he gets injured, they're stuck with the rest of the contract unless there's a special stipulation in there as far as games played are concerned. You can't put a stipulation for an injury, but you can put one in for games played. So, I mean, that seems to be the conundrum right then and there, why they couldn't get that. And I still think, you know, Mara should have intervened, like you said, and I just thought it was going to go down to the 12th, 12th hour, but knowing them knowing that it was a 4 o'clock deadline, I thought they were going to come together one way or another. I'm very mm-hmm. surprised at this, and I'm worried, according to what Schefter said, that because he said now, because they asked him uh, on the show there today, well, what alternatives do the Giants brass have now? In other words, if he signs this franchise tag, they still can't negotiate a long-term contract with him. And that's correct. They cannot. The deadline was yesterday at 4 mm-hmm. o'clock to do that. So now what are the chances that he signs the tag? But And even Schefter said this. He might sit out a period of time. And, he might. He could and, and not what, sign. He could not sign and, and sit what, out. And what, you see, the longer he sits out, I know he's coming off a phenomenal year, but we, and I, I expect him to be in good football shape. He'll be okay? fine. But I, I don't know. What is, what is, you know, if he keeps sitting out, I mean, what is his marketability going to be as they want, if they want to trade him? You know, because how long are you going to wait? If he keeps sitting out, sitting out, I mean, you got to get on with the season. If mm-hmm. he sits out the first game, like he originally said, he was going to sit out. If this comes to fruition that they couldn't come to an arrangement right. like it has, mm-hmm. he said he was going to sit out at least the Dallas game, the first game, right. which the Giants can't afford any games to sit out. This schedule is very competitive, as we know, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. they need him. And I think that I, I know Philadelphia is a better team anyway, even with him right now. So mm-hmm. the Giants have got to play tremendously to beat Philadelphia. So, I, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, what alternatives do the Giants have right now? I mean, you know, if he sits out, what are they? If he sits out, they'll find waiting? another running back, Tom. That's it's very simple. Thanks for the phone call. If they, if he sits out, they will find another running back to take his place, and until they until he comes in or they decide to do whatever they're going to do, it the schedule goes on. It waits for nobody. He they will find another running back, and see. That's the danger because the next running back they have, he may not, he doesn't have to be as good as Saquon Barkley. He doesn't have to be. He just has to be a serviceable running back that can catch the ball, maybe give them some yards temporarily, and they will find a way to work around it. Will they get the same production? No, I'm not guaranteeing you that they will get the same production. But Brian Dayball is a guy who's, when he was in Buffalo, that was the one thing people, everybody had the conversation about. Boy, if Buffalo had a running game, they would really be pretty good. They'd be better than what they were. Especially up there with the weather as it gets in, in December and, you know, the way that, that cold weather and the snow and everything. When you kind of need a running game to, to balance things out when there's, the conditions are not great for getting the ball down the field, even though you can, you know, dump off short passes and, give it to your tight end and do some different things. Uh, you know, that's what the Giants will have to do. They will make adjustments in their offense for no Saquon Barkley. 
That's what they'll do. But, I mean, trade him for what? There's other running backs that are available. Why would I trade when I could get another running back? Just sign him. I, I, trade is not an option. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, if I needed a running back, I'd call Dalvin Cook right now. <laughs> I call Ezekiel Elliott right now. I could. So that's that's the issue that you have here. That's why Shefty said on NFL Live, the running back market has dried up. And as Sal Powell said on Get Up, the NFL did this. And so it's going to be incumbent upon the NFL to try to change it. And I don't see them doing anything anytime soon. <laughs> why would they? This is how they have it. They love it this way. They're not saying you can't have a running back. They're not saying running backs don't matter. What they're saying is you can get a serviceable running back where you don't have to pay a whole lot of money for them more than the franchise tag. And there are teams who don't want to pay the franchise tag. Because they believe they can draft third round, fourth round, maybe even fifth round, a speed guy out of college and not pay them close to what the franchise tag is. Very simple. We hear from Kimberly Martin and you next on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Going back to the phones. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? There he is. What's going on, Buddha? Hey, what's up? Sorry about that, man. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, very uplifting show tonight, my brother. Very uplifting show. Thank and you, I sir. hate to pour salt in the wound. I hate to pour salt in the wound, but listen. Go ahead. You know, three things, three things have been troubling me, mm-hmm. but I've been learning to cope with them. Okay. You know, with the Yankees, listen. I wanted them to get Otani. Let's be realistic about what the Yankees are as a team. What's the what's the prudent thing to do is to shut Judge down, let him get that surgery, figure out what you're going to do with your manager uh, and with your GM if uh, Powell is inclined to make those type of changes. I mean, it, the season's over. What are you, you going to do? Trade for somebody and get these big pieces and, and make a wild card and get knocked out? And that's supposed to, like, like say to the fans, like, you know, we, we didn't give up on the season. Who cares about that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. You know? And then, you know, you, 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 you're looking at the football teams, right? So, listen, let me ask you a question. Who do you think yes. is a better quarterback, Dak Prescott or Daniel Jones? Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's not winning any Super Bowl. So, if you know that and I know that, you think that Dave Bowl and Shane don't know that Daniel Jones is not winning any Super Bowl? These guys are here. They're just trying to maximize what they could get out of it. Saquon Barkley, they have no allegiance to him. He's not their guy. Guys, he's just somebody inherited. This is his last year with the Giants, and if he doesn't play on that $10 million, he's never going to make that money again anyway. So they, they, they already know that. that. That situation is pretty much not good. You know, with the Jets, you know, and um, they could try to sell people. Listen, people here eat it up like their city island with the crab claws, you know, with the crackers and everything, <laughs> eating up this Aaron Rodgers stuff. I mean, 
You got an aging quarterback, and an aging superstar in any sport, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. But an aging quarterback with a bad offensive line with a suspect coach. You think you're going to the Super Bowl with that? I mean, more power to you. It's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, lastly, which, which is the most irritating to me of all of them, you know, um, you got James Harden still on the team. You know why he's still on the team? Because Everybody wants him. <laughs> he might be the yeah right. He, he might be the only player that has less marketability than Julius Randle. I mean, nobody wants this guy. He's talked, ate his way out of the league almost to this point. I, there's nowhere to send him. And you know, quite frankly, if they were going to trade Joel Embiid, they should have done that in this off season. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you something, they can have all this money to sign somebody all they want and everything like that. Philadelphia is similar to New York. It's not a destination. People don't realize the state taxes, you know, the the, 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 the the crazy fan bases, the media. It's not attractive to these millionaires that these guys make too much money. They can make the same money in another town. So I don't know yeah. who they're going to sign. You know, they don't have the, the, the uh, assets to make a good trade. You know, so, so basically, you know, as a fan, you know, I had to take a step back. I told you this a while ago. I had to take a step back. I'm not going crazy over none of these teams. Giants not my team anyway. But I'm not going crazy over any of these teams because I know when I'm in, like, sports uh, playoff championship limbo. And that's where all three of my teams are. And I just would like to say one thing to keep everything in full perspective. You know, as sports is important and all that and everything like that, I just want to say rest in peace to that lady, Elise Finch, man. Yeah, she passed yeah. away, man. She got small children and all that. I mean... You know, that was heartbreaking when I heard that, man. You know, you know, God bless all her family, man. I, I hope they could cope and manage, man. But losing mom is a big deal, no matter at any age, but especially at a young age. You take care, my brother. Love you always, man. Hi, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call and, and the comment. Uh, Elise Finch is, uh, you know, has been a fantastic uh, broadcaster. And uh, you could just see what she meant to her colleagues because everybody that spoke of her, uh, you could you could feel the love, you could feel the camaraderie, you could feel how genuine she was to them, and how how much of a great person she was to work with. And that's just the public side. You talk about the, you know, the situation of losing a loved one out of nowhere, and then to hear them say that somebody at the station had to call her. I think somebody at the station had to call her husband to let her know what happened. That that let him know what happened. It's it was tragic. It really, really was tragic. So young at the age of fifty one. It's unbelievable. We'll continue the conversation here on the Dan Grosser Show on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. I remember covering them when we were up in Cortland. And watching them bring mattresses in and stuff like that on these report days are always fascinating, right? But what's really interesting is what seems to be a kind of, I'm not going to say battle, but I will say it's jockeying for position. How about that? How about that? Jockeying for position. And that's referring to the Jets... And HBO films, HBO and NFL films, hard knocks. And so, (laughs) normally, now, let's make it clear. All teams have the final say 
in what access and what goes into the show, okay? They have the final say in what ends up on the cutting room floor. And so there are things that you've seen on Hard Knocks and you might say, you mean the team wanted that in there? They, they didn't say it couldn't be in there? Now, maybe some of these things that are in, it's like, okay, well, all right, wh- here's the negotiation. We won't put this in if you let us put that in. How about that? Oh, okay, we'll do that, that sort of thing. So one of the things that it's clear that the Jets are not going to do is they are not going to show players being released. They don't feel, the Jets feel, that that is a cool thing to do. And I understand that. I get it. I get it. I mean, but that's been part of what Hard Knocks is about, right? As a matter of fact, in an article in the New York Post, they remind us that the current Jet third-string quarterback, Tim Boyle, was was released in the Lions by the Lions in Hard Knocks in that finale last season. Okay? So the Jets are saying, you know, like, we don't really want to show that. And there were a number of players, I remember that, that were told bye-bye by Detroit in that final part of, in that season finale. Because that's the part that, that's the final cuts that lets you know who's made the team at the start of the season. Now, we understand that the Jets have been reluctant and we're reluctant. And, you know, they didn't want hard knocks in there. They didn't. This is, you know, Robert Sala is not Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan was a boisterous, confident, coach who loved to talk and loved to show how much confidence he had in his football team. Sometimes he had more faith in his team than his team had in themselves. (laughs) I remember some games where he's like, I'd like to go right back out there. I bet your team wouldn't. (laughs) But he was, you know, he believed in his team. He, he was, he was a guy that was very confident in his ability and his team's ability. And so he was, Perfect for hard knocks. Okay? Robert Sala is a low-key guy. He's not the same guy. And as I've mentioned, this is a different situation. All right, when the Jets went into hard knocks, they were in a playoff the season before. Okay? They went to the playoffs. This is a situation where Robert Sala's team is coming in. And they haven't been to they one they haven't been to the playoffs in a while. Matter of fact, they haven't been to the playoffs since the last time they were on hard knocks in 2010. So you're talking 13 years going in that haven't been in the postseason. So if you're Robert Sala, you're you know you. It, it's a little different. It's a younger team. I know Bart Scott was talking about how, you know, younger team they had veterans on that 2010 team. Predominantly veterans. Obviously, Mark Sanchez was a young player, but most of those guys were veterans. Him, LaDainian Tomlinson, Damian Woody, Tabrika Sharp-Ferguson, Nick Mango, you know, Jericho Cotri, on and on and on and on. Dustin Keller, young player. 
But for the most part, it was a veteran-laden team. Darrell Rivas, Antonio Cromartie. It's a veteran team. So they could handle it a little better. So you got that concern. But really, the only reason that Hard Knocks is coming after the Jets, other than they were the choice along with the Saints, Commanders, and Bears, is because they have Aaron Rodgers. And that's why they want to watch the Jets. That's why they're at one Jets drive. Because for them, Aaron Rodgers is their Rex Ryan, kind of. Like, he's the, he's the main story. Are there other stories? Of course, there's going to be other stories. There's going to be young players. There's going to be the offensive line. There's going to be defensive players. There's going to be Sauce Gardner. There's going to be Gary Wilson. There's going to be Corey Dave. There's going to be other storylines. But the number one storyline is Aaron Rodgers. How he relates to his new teammates. How they respond to him. What the practices are like. What the meetings are like. Makai Becton's obviously going to be a story. Him coming back, how's he doing? Quentin Williams is going to be a story. Now that he's got his money defensively, all the different things defensively that they do. There's going to be a lot of storylines here, including the backup quarterback, Zach Wilson, who's going to be another storyline. The cameras are going to be following him around almost as much as they're following around Aaron Rodgers. How is he dealing with this? How did he, what is his confidence like? How did he, how does he bounce back from a guy that had a subpar season last year? Didn't dress for two games? How does he deal with that? So there's going to be a lot of storylines on Hard Knocks, lots. And I get why the Jets don't really want those cameras in their building. Because they have a lot to do. They're under a lot of pressure. They have put the target squarely on their backs for going to attempting to win a Super Bowl. And and, and let's be honest. They're like no other team. All the teams are trying to get to the Super Bowl this season. All of them. All of them. Everybody, week one, everybody thinks they've got a shot. If you didn't make the playoffs last year, it's like, well, you know what? How many times do playoff teams that made it one year don't make it back? We could replace one of those teams in the postseason this year. Everybody has that conversation. Every team has that hope that we knock out the team that was there last year, be it injury, be it poor production, be it things happening, whatever it is. Every team in the NFL hopes that they can get to the postseason. So everybody's got a, everybody's got a, a Super Bowl wish. So they are no different from anybody else. It's just that people have named them as a Super Bowl contender because of their defense and because now they have a veteran quarterback who's been pretty good over his career. <laughs> been pretty good. Been pretty good.
And that's why HBO Hard Knocks wants to go in there and see what's up. So that is the question. How will the Jets handle it? How will they respond to it? Only time will tell. Only time will tell. The first airing is, I believe, August 8th. But the videoing starts tomorrow when the Jets report. And you can bet, oh, they'll have the cameras rolling when Aaron Rodgers drives up. And, oh, it's going to be just tremendous. And, of course, you have the crew at One Jets Drive who do a tremendous job in chronicling the team. And they'll be doing their own version of Hard Knocks. <laughs> so this is going to be the season where this team gets covered like, like it's a playoff team every week. Every week. Because of the beginning of their schedule, because of Aaron Rodgers, because of the excitement. This team is going to be covered like you would cover a playoff team. It's going to be a lot of national exposure for this Jet team. And for this Jet coaching staff, this is another challenge, right? This is the challenge to make sure that everybody's focused, that you ignore the cameras and go about your business. Because ultimately... This is about preparing for the season. There's a lot riding on this season. There are jobs riding on this season. Everybody's got to know. Everybody's got to know. Everybody's got to be focused. Because... A lot of pressure on this team. A lot of pressure. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN.